so now that the relationship has ended, paternity has been determined and custody has been established. The hard work of co-parenting begins. If you're ready to stop the drama and work through the trauma, it's time for Co-Parent Court with your host, Judge Rochelle Jackson. Welcome to Co-Parent Court, the court where parents forget the drama and work through the trauma. I am your host, Judge Rochelle Jackson. Today we have a guest and we're going to call her mom. And mom is going to speak with us about her challenges in her history with co-parenting and also perhaps identify a conflict that we can help her through. Now, I'll let you know that I also spoke with her ex-spouse and he has agreed to also appear. Not today, however. So I'm still working on how I'm going to get him on as a guest so we can also hear his perspective and his side. And eventually one day, it is my hope that both parents will join us and also share with you how they've made it through their conflicts. So without further ado, if I may uh, allow mom to introduce herself and share some of her history about how she got to be in this co-parenting relationship. So welcome, mom. So do you want to share with the, I am fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Would you like to share with our audience some history of who you are without revealing your name? Because on this program, there is an option for parents to reveal or just share. So mom has decided that she would share and we'll allow her to share as much as she chooses to and then get into how we we can help. We have now been separated for um, about a little bit over five years. and we have two children together. We have a son and a daughter. Um, prior to us being divorced, we were married for about almost four years. Um, and prior to that, we were um, dating for about six years. So we have been together for a while. We met when we were really young. We were both um, 20. And we had our first child, I believe I was around 27, 28. So we had been together for a while before we had our son. Um, We got married this same year that we had our son. We got married six weeks later. We were already engaged, but um, we had a a little surprise before we could make it down the aisle. Um, And then after that, we had our daughter shortly. and yeah, we got, we were separated shortly after um, we had our daughter. And we have been attempting to navigate this co-parenting situation ever since. So you have been divorced for six years? Yes, almost, it should be almost six years officially. And how have you all in that time span been navigating the co-parenting relationship? It has definitely been up and down. Um, the divorce was something that I asked for. So, um, you know, my my ex-spouse didn't handle that too well. Um, we tried to reconcile, 
that didn't go well at all. Um, I just felt that it would be better if, you know, we separated and we continue to co-parent our children. I think that we have two different outlooks on what we would like this co-parenting situation to look like. Um, prior to us getting, well, the, the paperwork, I should say, being finalized for the divorce, you know, I did say that, you know, I would like for one day for us to be able to be, in a sense, of friends, not like besties and hanging out all the time, but just have, be able to be very cordial and not, you know, it be always a sense of conflict when we are, um, when we speak to each other or when we are around each other. But, you know, he has been very vocal um, since the beginning that, like, he didn't want to be my friend, which is perfectly fine. I am okay with that. But in that sense, I think that we both have two different ideas of what we would like this to actually be in what we're actually working towards. So can you share with the audience in terms of what your ideal is for co-parenting versus what you hear him say his idea is? So I think that for me, I would like to just be able to speak generally about the children and just take all emotions and everything else out of it. Um, I don't think that we're I, I've told him this before, but we're we're two individuals. Yes, we did have a romantic relationship. We were married, but we are no longer responsible for each other's feelings. So unless it's a blatant thing of like disrespect or something of speaking to each other in a way, you know, like I don't want to discuss feelings. I don't think that there is not a space for us to discuss feelings. We are not each other's we're not there for the emotional support of each other. Um, and I think that's part of the thing that he is having trouble with, but he doesn't realize that he's having trouble with that. Um, and so I think that that is a big, a big problem in our um, co-parenting situation, especially because I do have a, I have moved on. I am in a relationship and have been in a committed relationship for the last two years. Um, so I think now introducing that into the, the space that there now has like thrown another, um, wrench into what we could have in us just, I guess, being in a better, in a better place, because now that I've been dating someone, um, have introduced that person to our children you know, there is not a, there is not a space of coming back. It's the reality of, yes, like this happened, we're divorced, we have forward, and that's just the end of it. All right. So you and I spoke briefly when I was uh, doing a little research on your case. And we talked about my theory of my philosophy of these lanes that I identify. And I'll just share with my audience, and then we'll come back and talk about perhaps what lane you see yourself in and what lane you see him in. So I'm of the belief after working with parents and relationships and divorces and uh, custody for years, that there's a lane that couples start off in, in terms of that intimate lane. And as those relationships end, we end up sometimes in the parenting lane 
and in the co-parenting lane is what the goal is in this uh, effort. So sometimes parents get stuck in this intimate lane and they have a difficult time of going over to true co-parenting. So listening to you, I have my own, I've already classified you all and put you in lanes. What lanes would you say you are seeking to, that you're operating under now? Um, right now we are just operating the, I think that, and I could be wrong, but I feel like he's stuck in the emotional, um, portion of it. I am trying to be in the co-parenting lane, but we are just not moving in the same direction. Um, because there's a lot of things that are said to me in a sense of, um, like I, I always say like, you know, every couple of months, there's like some new buzzwords that he throws out, which is boundaries or um, he'll, you know, say like this, this is giving him anxiety or, well, not this, but him having to speak to me gives him anxiety and he feels and he understands that I'm feeling that way too. And it's just like a lot of emotions that he throws at me. And then I have to like, reiterate to him none of nothing about this gives me anxiety um and we can operate in the boundaries as long as both of us are doing the same thing and then so I always say if you tell me what you need I can follow that line but once I adhere to whatever the new boundary is that he wants to set for himself then now there's always something new because I really I always tell him I want you to be your best self because we have kids and I want our kids to to see a whole dad but for whatever reason he doesn't um that that doesn't resonate with him and I think that part of it is because he doesn't want to, like him accepting that I actually want the best for him and understanding that is like also to him accepting that, you know, this is all done and that we all have to move forward now. Right. So in listening to you, I, I would say that he is perhaps stuck also in the, uh, the intimate emotional lane of having a broken relationship and having to navigate seeing you and not be emotionally connected to you, that you are responsive to what his needs are emotionally. So you've separated yourself from that, but yet you still have to deal with it. And in listening to you, you, you are trying to offer some compromise or solutions to help him change. And the only person you can change is yourself. So the question, I guess, is right. what, what changes do you make that he's forced to react to those in a way that gets both of you all to this co-parenting lane. And which is why I'm really excited that he at least took the phone call and that he's willing to have the conversation so we can get his position and perhaps share some information to help him through, or at least see himself in the lane where he places himself or where the, the lane that he's being identified as being in that maybe just realizing that, oh, let me take some self-reflection and 
see how others perhaps see me that will allow me to move forward. That is my hope. And, uh, and hopefully that will help. But what can you do to uh, improve the relationship in terms of co-parenting? Is there a current conflict that you want to talk so, through? Um, I mean, right now, it's, we are not really in a place to where we can even truly speak to each other. Um, when we see each other in person, we don't speak at all. Um, and right now, if I have something to say, which is solely about the children, it's always via text message um, because I don't want there to be a space to where anything I can say can be misconstrued. Um, but unfortunately, the con the biggest conflict is just everything is completely opposite. If it doesn't matter what it is. Um, if there's something, it's always met with resistance or an attitude or just something. Um, we have something as simple as he, you know, with communication. My my mother helps us out uh, a lot with transportation for the children and things like that, just because we both work and both of our kids are in after school activities, and um, sometimes he does have to travel for work, but in senses of he he never communicates that you know either the kids will need to be with my mom or that the kids will need to be or something has to change with their routine um because he doesn't he doesn't want to talk to me or he just feels like he doesn't have to but he's always saying that everything has to be communicated and so it doesn't matter the kids could have something different that I know that will affect their normal schedule and I'm always just shooting a text message as just an FYI to like say this is what's going on but it's not reciprocated and so it's to the point now it's certain behaviors from him I just expect those things and I, I've told him this like I expect you to be who you are toward me but to others who are helping us I, I need you to be better and what? so he doesn't he doesn't see that one of the tools, and I don't know if you all use this in terms of communicating in your text messaging or emailing each other, is that when you present your position, and, and instead of it being perhaps an FYI, and I don't know if you've gone through this and realized this didn't work, is that you always pose the question, like whatever the ask is, you ask it in a question format so that the other person has to answer. And it's so that helps to navigate the conversations and that you're not telling him, as a matter of fact, you know, what he's going to do, because, you know, we get in our feelings sometimes. So but if you ask it as a question or present it as a question and you all can agree to respond to those questions within a certain time frame, then perhaps and I don't know if that's the issue. You may have tried this already, so I don't know why you're doing FYIs as opposed to posing questions. Do you pose the questions and he's not responsive? Oh, I can tell him things and he, the text message, it will go red, but I'm answered for days. Okay. So I don't, yeah, that is not, it's not working for us. It has not worked for us. All right. So, um, so a suggestion is try posing the questions and uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to do what's necessary 
and what's in the best interest of your children. And you have mom there, you have a third party who is willing to help navigate, but it's been six years. So you would think after six years, the emotional, I don't say animosity, but just the conflict level would decrease. So there is some barrier that hasn't been identified yet or addressed yet that will help that to decrease, you know, those honest conversations. And again, if he's stuck over in that intimate emotional lane, you know, the question is why? And only he can deal with that. So he was open to appear. So hopefully after he sees this episode, he will reach out and come and share his position. And I can share, you know, my thinking about how to push through what you see as the conflict. Now, this may not be his conflict. You know, he may identify something else, which may be the true barrier that you haven't realized yet. And then with at least identifying what the true barrier is, then perhaps y'all can push through. But communication is um, one of the top, excuse me, it's one of the top, if not the top hindrances for co-parenting. But you all are, you all are communicating. It's just not the most effective communication that you would like. What would be your ideal relationship, co-parenting relationship? What would you like to see happen? to see us be in a space to where we can one when we see each other say hello um that would be great also being in a space to where we are our kids can notice that we are yes we are not together but we are still very supportive in a unit for them um because i know when they see us in the same space they don't see us interacting at all um and so, you know, just over time, they will be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's just them. They don't talk to each other at all. I don't want them to, you know, I don't, I don't want our kids to be the kids who are just be like, yeah, my parents, they're, yes, they're divorced, but they don't like each other. I don't, I don't want them to say that because I have always grown up with a stepmom um, and my stepdad has been in my life for several years now, but my parents. I've never said to anyone that my parents don't like each other. Actually, it's completely opposite. People are very surprised at how my stepmom and my stepdad and my mom and my dad interact with each other. And not to say that we have to have that relationship because I know it is an anomaly, but it just, you know, I I don't want the the fighting and the conflict. I, I just don't. I don't have space for it, which is why I just end up not talking to him at all because I I don't have space for that in any portion of where I am right now, Um, whether it's work, personal, anything, I will just shut it down um, and and move forward. That's it. So when you all have these opportunities and you come together at these events or activities, is it possible for you to just say, uh, and if let's say those that you're hosting and and you're responsible for organizing and just as you meet and greet your other guests, is it something that you can extend knowing that at least in the moment until he changes his behavior and he can only change it in response to what you do. And that's a choice for him. But just like if you're hosting something 
and you're greeting others, that you make an effort to greet him. And in this moment, you know, your belief is that he's not going to reciprocate that same greeting. But until you change your behavior, he's not given an opportunity to respond to that behavior that you can say, welcome, you know, Mr. So-and-so. I'm not quite sure what name you address him by now and, you know, whether or not that will create issues. But if you're greeting others, just make the effort to greet him too. And that would be a start. That's something you can do that you have the power to do and not expecting anything in return because you haven't gotten it in the past. And that may get him to change his position. Before, prior to this school year, he's always, even if it was his days, my days to keep our children, he always picked the kids up in the morning to bring them to school. He would come to the house, walk into my house and not say anything to me, not even say good morning. So that's why I'm not willing to, we, we're, that ship has sailed with me um, saying hello to him because I have always, I have also told him, hey, you I don't. I haven't stepped foot in his house. I don't know what the inside of his house looks like. But you come to my home. Yes, I'm happy you come to pick up our children. But you come inside of my home and you don't say anything to me. That is unacceptable. It, it, and the it, it, only it, reason that I allow you to come inside is because I don't want to make. I don't want my kids to see me upset or to see us arguing or to start their morning that way. So he purposely comes in knowing he's not going to speak, knowing how you already feel because you've already expressed that to him. Absolutely. But you do it for your children because you. Yes. And even when he drops the kids off, when we exchange, we exchange the kids at my parents' house. And so we always get together on Sundays. So he comes into my parents' house, walks around, you know, says hello to everyone, hugs you know, gives the men high fives or whatever. And if I'm sitting next to someone, he'll just like walk past me. So I'm not, that, that to me, that is the the line of disrespect. Like you're doing that intentionally. And oh, it, that, it appears so to be I, intentional. I yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So it appears to be intentional and he knows, I'm assuming he knows how it makes you feel because you've expressed it to him. But yet he continues to do it, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of a lot of times in broken relationships, you know, you have this hierarchy about uh, power and control. Right. And uh, that's his power that he has over himself in trying to get this response from you. And it may be the response he absolutely wants in that because he continues to do it. and. So that's a line you will not cross. Is there anything else that you can perhaps offer as a gesture of trying to work through communications to make it uh, better communications between you all? Can you ask the questions at least? I mean, most of the time it's when I'm telling him things, it's because our son is on the spectrum. So he has appointments. There are different things that change with him. Um, I normally take him to his therapy appointments or my mom does. Um, if there's something that has to deal with 
different things that are occurring with him. Um, it's normally not anything that's a question. It's just like, hey, this is what the therapist or the doctor recommended. This is what we're going. So I can still, we can have, he and I can have a disagreement prior to an appointment, but I'm still going to right after that appointment say, hey, this is what's going on with our son because I want him to be aware of it. Because once again, I only want this strictly to be about our kids and not about what's going on with us. Like there's just been numerous times where the kids get test back and the he they may have not done so well on their exam or they've gotten a report card and things and it's went to his house and not to me and I have to ask for it and say, Hey, did you get this? And it's now days later and I'm assuming the school has dropped the ball and not given the information when in turn they're like, no, we sent it home on this day and it's a day that he's gone. And I'm like, hey, did you get this? Can you send this over to me? And then it's a, yes, I got it. Or and it's just no sense of urgency or feeling like I need to be a part of this situation when there's never a situation with the children that he's ever left out of because we both need to be on the same page when it comes down to, to them. All right. So I I hear all of that. Let me ask you this question. Knowing that you can't change his behaviors, you know, he can only decide to change. He can only decide that when he enters a room, just like he speaks with everybody else, he can speak to you. He can only decide because he knows already that when he gets something from the schools that he should share it with you just like you share with him. And he doesn't do that until you ask the question. Is there anything, if if I was to speak with him, and if it's something that you can identify, what can you, what would he say you need to change about the relationship, the co-parenting relationship to move it through or to push it forward? He's going he's gonna to say that... Um... He sets boundaries that I ignore. He's going to say that I speak to him as if he, um, that as if I don't respect him. Um, and I've told him several times in long lengths of messaging that that's not the case. Like these are just, I think that he's projecting. I feel like these are situations in which he's fallen. He's, he feels like he's falling short uh, because through our relationship, when we were together, there were lots of things that happened. There were lots of times where, um, you know, just like as a, he encountered some, some roadblocks um, career wise in education and all these other things. And so now he is getting those things together and that's great. But I also feel like that he is upset that I don't acknowledge the the growth and the improvements that he's made in his personal life in those aspects, like things that he couldn't do when we were together that he's now doing now. And it's like, that's fine. I'm glad that you're able to do those things, not just for yourself, but essentially for our kids too. But at the end of the day, I really don't care. Um, and it's not in a mean way. It's just that that doesn't move me that, that I don't have any benefit for that. 
So I do feel like that he is, he does feel a certain way that he feels like he's become this, you know, better person or provider, which is great. But I, that we're not in any sort of like relationship or anything like that. I just need you to be there for your kids. That's all. And I do feel that has a huge part of it. Because again, if we talk about the lanes, if he's still over there in that that intimate, personal relationship lane, he's seeking that validation and acknowledgement from you. And you're over here in co-parenting saying, okay, you know, but that doesn't change the co-parenting where we are. So Right. And that's what, and I think that is, that that's a huge, a lot of it when he says that he feels like that, um, you know, I talk down to him because I don't, I, I, he's, we don't have, for instance, like we don't have a child support agreement or anything like that. But, you know, when I tell him there are certain things that the kids that he and I split uh, half and half for the kids and he does it like, it's perfectly fine. I've never taken away from, or, you know, said anything negative about how he can't do X, Y, and Z for them financially. It's just, if, if you have it, great. If you don't have it, that's fine too. They still need it. We're going to get it done. Um, and that, that's just it. And I, I think that because, you know, he, he has been able to make these improvements, um, financially and education and things like that. And he's very happy and, you know, that's great for him. It just, doesn't it's great for him just like if I get a promotion at work I wouldn't expect him to be excited for me about it but he wants you to still be excited for him and you haven't shown that excitement the way he wants it to be shown correct so as I listen to you and you say that uh you acknowledge his growth if you all are not communicating and having conversations in person how does he know that uh, the same language that you share with me, has that ever been shared with him? Um, yes, I've told him that, but it's not enough. I have to, because okay. sometimes when there'll be situations where there's like things will happen with the kids, I'm like, hey, why, um, you know, this, this, and this, why weren't you able to do this or whatever? And, you know, he wants to be like, oh, well, I'm really busy um, with work and, I'm I'm in school and and it's X Y and Z and I'm like okay that's great that you're doing all these things but at the end of the day this still has to get done with the kids because we're all busy and it's just taking responsibility as I listen to you to push him through that co-parenting uh, to that co-parenting lane that he's not willing to freely go to yet exactly. and taking responsibilities for the the needs of the children and not just in its every need is the emotional need, the psychological need, need, the financial need, the being present need. And also yeah. the, the children, they are seeing and witnessing the fact that he comes into a room and, you know, he doesn't speak or you all don't speak to each other. And as your children grow, they're going to recognize that and it's going to become challenging for them. And, you know, the hope is that we can have those conversations that you all can avoid some trauma that your children may, you know, experience because of the behaviors of parents. This is true. And like, he's very, as far as 
being present for the kids. He always, we have a, we have a great schedule um, where the kids get to see both parents during the week. And he, he's always there, you know, like physically to be there for them. Um, And so, so that's, I always tell people like, he's a, he's a great dad in a sense. It's the small things that, especially like us as moms and us as women, they were like, Hey, you got to make sure that you do this. And so unfortunately, since we are not together, it's kind of amplified that those things fall to the side versus if if we would have been together and I'm just like, Hey, okay, let me just pick up the slack because he didn't, you know, make sure that something was brought to the school because it was a theme day or, you know, stuff like that. So unfortunately when those things happen, because he already has some sort of animosity towards me that when I'm like, Hey, the kids had this, this, and this today, uh, our daughter says that she doesn't have it or she didn't have it because he forgot. And then, so now those things are amplified versus like just day to day stuff. But definitely I, I do feel like our son, especially, it is a little different for him emotionally, um, one, for him being on the spectrum, but then also because he, you know, I do have a partner who I have been with for a long period of time. And I think sometimes he hasn't said anything, but I think that sometimes he internally has a conflict with, you know, enjoying spending time with my partner, but then also to not wanting to feel like his dad is left out or something of that nature or if he you know there's a a thing that he and my partner like but his dad really isn't into but he doesn't want to you know share that with his dad that he was able to do this with my partner so so have, yes I, I do think that oh, go, go ahead. ahead you can finish go ahead no I was just saying I do think that 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 does have a um an effect on at least my son for now. So has your ex-husband been introduced to your current partner? He refuses um to be formally introduced to him when we are in a space together. He also does not speak to him. So he doesn't speak to you nor your current partner. But you all have been around each other yeah. at events. Okay. Correct. And your yeah, like my our kids' birthday parties and everything, and he just won't he won't say anything. Or even at my parents, it can be something smaller, like on for like I said on Sundays when we go to my parents' house, he just won't speak to them. And, and that is a challenge. So again, I hope that he uh, decides to join me so that we can talk through some of these issues that that are new in terms of. The first time that I spoke with him, not realizing what your position was or is and uh, whether or not he'll even acknowledge these as his concerns. We'll see. So one day, if I can get you all to agree to come in or appear together, is that something you would be interested in? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I always feel like that a lot of the times that we have, because probably when we first um, got divorced, we went to divorce counseling for a little bit. I really don't know what ended up happening with that, um, because I do think that if we would have went long term, that we would have done better. I mean, granted, I wasn't dating or in a relationship or anything like that. 
So I know that this has thrown a monkey wrench into it, but I do think that some sort of mediation um, would help us in the long term if both of us decide to stick to it um, or just if we're able to come up with some sort of plan or something and we are both in it and, um, you know, like 100% like honest with ourselves and with the whatever the plan is. All right. So let me let me just add this um, disclaimer as uh, for my audience. So, as you know, I am a practicing attorney and my field of area is family law. And in particular, I do lots of custody uh, matters. I'm also a qualified mediator and a uh, children's attorney. But this particular show in this medium is just about taking all of my knowledge, education, and experiences and trying to help you all recognize where you are and provide my opinion about how to push through. So the difference between it and mediation is with mediation, y'all have to come to your own resolutions where the mediator doesn't give you the, uh, the to-do. but here, I'm just going to, after listening to both of you, I'm just going to give you the to-do in terms of what I think uh, will help you through. And sometimes, and I heard you say, you know, what, what you don't think you need to do, but in order to change somebody else's behavior, it you can only change your behavior with the hope that they will respond in a different way. So... But first, we have to figure out whether or not you all are all on the same accord. So I hear what you're saying. I'm not quite sure what his position is in terms of what the conflict is. But communication is the start of resolution. So there are some things that you can do if you choose to. And even if you don't feel like doing it, because it will be better for your children. So while I hear you say he comes into a room and he doesn't speak and it bothers you. And that's, you know, the ultimate disrespect that you see. Releasing him from that control of how you feel. Oh, it doesn't, and, it doesn't bother me. He just does it. Because okay. he, he thinks it's, it bothers you. Yeah, Maybe. No, he knows. I tell him I don't care. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Like I said, I've told him, like, I expect certain behaviors of him and that's something that I expect him to do. So I'm unmoved by it. So what would you, in order to get what you want to get this ideal of what good, healthy, effective co-parenting relationships look like, what would you have him to change about working toward that? He is a very emotional person and he's going to have to like relax on some of the emotion out of the both of us. I am the more, I am more of a person who is like, okay, this is our problem. We can do it. I'm more of a black and white type person. Either we're going to do this or we're not going to do this. It's not much of a gray area, um, but he is, he leads a lot of his actions in life with emotion. He's very emotional. He's already, he's always been like that. Not like in a, and I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way or a, 
but he's just always very kind of like he'll make a lot of decisions based on emotion instead of like actually taking a step back and with logic I think that a lot of times if you in in my job that I do I cannot act on emotion I have to my day-to-day life I have to act on facts and I have to figure it out very quickly because it can be a major decision um and so that's why I don't when he acts a lot on emotion and then comes back and have to apologize, well, he doesn't apologize, but comes back and kind of acts a little differently because, and I'm like, okay, this is his way of like kind of apologizing or whatever, or realizing the, what he said or the way he acted was not appropriate. Um, I just don't have, I, I, I don't have time for that. And when I you- also think, go ahead. When you respond to him with what you classify as emotional uh, actions or responses, do you say you're acting emotionally or take the emotions out of it? Do you use that word or that terminology? I do. Is that something that you could remove? Like it still conveys the same message, but it's perhaps not a trigger that you're not going to call him emotional, even though you may be describing it? Yeah, I think at unfortunately at this time because we have been now we're almost in like the last six years. Like I feel like I've tried to speak to him in different ways that I've evolved in in ways I've spoken to him. Um, I mean, now maybe I can try some things again, but now I've recently um, I can say probably in the in the recent iteration of how we are with each other is that I've just been in a space of like naming things for him because if I don't because I feel like if I don't name it for him then that just gives him space to either not acknowledge it to gaslight it or to just ignore it and so or say it didn't happen that way So that's why now I've been just saying like, hey, you know what? This is, you said this, this, and this. This is not okay. This, this, and this is how, you know, this is what I feel. This is exactly what I am saying, not what I'm trying to say. This is exactly what I am saying and my stance on it. How do you feel about it? Like, how do you want to move forward? And then I'll get, Instead of an answer, I'll get how something is, I'll get a long text response that's full of emotions and feels, and then it just completely, I withdraw from it I'm, because I I don't have time to sit there and, and listen to that again. Because like I said in the beginning, I'm not his emotional support person. I'm not here for that. So as a suggestion, when you or communicating with him and you're looking for a response, can you remove the ask that deals with emotions in terms of how do you feel? Because you're not concerned with his feelings. So that's not the question that you want to ask because that's all he's going to Mm -hmm. see and he's just going to give you the feelings. And that's where he stays. So don't ask the question about the feelings. Ask what, what you're trying to get to. 
outside of how he feels. So take that opportunity away from him because it's not something that you're posing to him about his feelings. And 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 require the response yeah. to be as a matter of fact, you know, like these are the facts. He's left with no recourse but to respond to your questions. But don't ask him about feelings. Don't ask him about emotions. Like take that those terms out of your vocabulary when you speak to him in writing. As a start. Yes. No, that definitely um, is something that I can make sure that I don't do. But then just also because that's that's how he, even when I don't ask, it's still what I get back. Right. And you can can respond. I didn't ask. Right. And you can respond that. I didn't ask you for your feelings. I ask you about, you know, whatever the issue is. Yeah. As as a start, because you can only start with yourself. So. So right. the hope that for, you know, speaking for 40, we're, we're, we're over 40 minutes, you know, the goal was 30, but we're at 40. The hope is that there's something that you can take from this conversation that you can begin mm-hmm. to implement that will help you get toward the goal of creating a better co-parenting relationship with your ex-husband. And yes. little steps will help. I agree. Is there any, okay. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience? We've done a lot today. <laughs> no, I think, yes, that was, that was a lot. Yeah. You're, you're always invited and welcome to come back. It, you know, especially after I, I get to speak with him and air his uh, recording that you may want to follow okay. up and, and, and just see. And to, to catch us up on whether or not you, taking out the wording of feelings and emotions and, and hold him to responding to what your ask is and whether or not you all are moving forward. And when people walk into the room, you walk into the room with strangers. You know where we're from. When Where we're from, you cut, you speak to everybody. You walk down the street and say good exactly. morning. Good so, you know. <laughs> exactly. What? Yeah. So, and whether or not you've, you've worked through that. You know, so I don't know if you want to pretend he's a stranger when you see him and just speak and say, good morning, you know, good evening, welcome. You can do that if you choose to. You choose not to, but the hope is that you make choices that it's for your children's benefit. And, you know, even if you are suffering through it in a moment, it's all going to be because your children will be in a better spot at the end of it. I think I can try. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to check in with you to see how it's going. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a pause so that we can end. Thank our audience for joining us. And we hope that you've made it through the entire segment uh, in terms of talking with mom. And that if you see yourself, that you'll take some of the suggestions so that you too can move forward in creating a better co-parenting relationship with your uh, children's other parent. And until next time, my hope for you is that you intentionally work toward co and not go it solo. Have a good day.